Black Power Talks. I'm Soliana Bikel. And I'm Dr. Matsumela Odom. Uhuru means freedom in Swahili, and freedom is on our minds 24-7. The song that you heard at the top of the show was Strange Fruit, recorded by Billie Holiday in 1939. The song protested the ongoing lynching of African people in the United States. Researchers have found that an estimated 6,500 Africans were lynched in the United States from 1865 to 1950. African people know that number only scratches the surface. Strange Fruit has been described as the first political pop song. In 1939, Billie Holiday was warned to never sing Strange Fruit again by the United States government. Billie Holiday refused to do so, and the United States government targeted and ruined Billie Holiday. She was incarcerated, stripped of her performing license, and driven towards premature death by the colonial state. On July 29, 2022, the African People's Socialist Party and the Hura Movement were assaulted by the Federal Bureau of Investigations in the most brutal and significant assault against the African Liberation Movement since the military defeat of the African Revolution of the 1960s. 
This included pre-dawn raids against institutions and homes of the movement's leaders, including Chairman Omali Eshetela. Just months after the U.S. government's brutal assault against the African People's Socialist Party and the Uhuru movement, a report surfaced showing that the Federal Bureau of Investigation, FBI, surveilled the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, for four decades. It is common knowledge that the FBI has targeted African liberation leaders and activists since its inception. FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover launched his career by destroying the worldwide movement of Marcus Garvey. The FBI was also involved in the assassinations of Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X, and the FBI's COINTELPRO program decimated the Black Panther Party. In today's program, we will turn the spotlight on some of the popular African artists who have been surveilled, harassed, and targeted by the FBI and other government police agencies over the decades. We begin by hearing from Youssef Doucet of the Joko Collective in Los Angeles, California, who addressed the Black is Back Coalition's Black Power Conference on Sunday, November 6, 2022 in Washington, D.C. Youssef spoke on the long history of U.S. counterinsurgency against African culture workers, a campaign that dates back to the 18th century. About this history of of FBI um, attacks and FBI intervention, state intervention into um, African liberation movements and and movements for uh, for human liberation, um, their efforts to maintain their colonial hold on us and on the international system. I wanted to focus on their uh, specifically on their attacks on culture workers in our movement. Paul Robeson has come up a couple of times already, and I'm gonna come back around to uh, Paul Robeson. Um, But what what these attacks on our artists and our arts indicate is the the importance of of ideas and them wanting to make sure they control our ideas in effect of the FBI, the state they represent, and not just the state, but the civil society that they represent. Uh, They are only interested in not only colonizing our bodies, not only exploiting our labor in all its various forms, but keeping our imaginations colonized. So they fight tooth and nail and will do anything to control the kinds of ideas that get out and the people who are producing those ideas. And we can look, you know, before there is an FBI, uh, just looking at the 19th century, uh, just a couple of examples from the 19th century, the the importance to the state at that time to limit the distribution and and, and indeed get rid of the distribution of uh, David Walker's appeals, Um, something, uh, uh, a work that becomes contraband. And David Walker himself, a year after publication, uh, is found dead under mysterious circumstances on his front door. The um, uh, the, the activist, um, uh, freedom fighter, uh, Martin Delaney, right, who writes this novel, um, uh, Blake, or The Cabins of America, which imagines an insurrection among Africans um, in what have become the United States. And these Africans hooking up with Africans in Central America, in the Caribbean, and creating our own independent state 
rather than remaining under the rule of the United States. And this kind of book gets suppressed, is allowed to go out of print. It's kept away from the audience that needs to read it, right? To, to, to fire that imagination. One of the uh, one of the 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 areas of our cultural history that is often suppressed. Those writers, those artists uh, that are uh, identified with the Harlem Renaissance movement, and just how much Garvey and Garvey's ideas and and Garvey's organizing informed and inspired the the writers and the other artists of the of the of the Harlem Renaissance. So again, the state and civil society will cherry pick certain writers to put forward and then not even put all of their work forward, right? So you won't learn as much about Claude McKay, for example. These are the kinds of artists that are kept away from people. By the time we get to the 1950s and Paul Robeson, yes, they take away Paul Robeson's passport. Venues for Paul Robeson to perform dry up. They poisoned Paul Robeson, though, right? They weren't they weren't content just to take his passport away to uh, ruin his career. Even under those conditions, his celebrity, right, was still too great in the world. So he just had to be utterly destroyed. So um, on a trip to Russia, uh, they spike uh, a drink of his uh, with LSD. As far as he knows, he's you know losing his mind, right? And Paul Robeson Jr. writes about this, right? The way in which the FBI, again, not satisfied to just ruin his career, but need to ruin the man. Paul Robeson's one of the better known um, individuals from that period. Uh, but you have performers like Hazel Scott, um, who gets her career ruined, um, a pianist. Um, the actor Canada Lee has his career ruined because of his activist work, both working toward socialism and African liberation. And indeed, at this time, if you were just talking about integration, that was too much, right? And and was enough to bring um, you under FBI attack. But again, it isn't just the FBI, right? Because it isn't just the state. It's the state in partnership with uh, civil society. The Hollywood blacklist, for example, didn't require the FBI to give some directives, right, to the studios at the time, uh, to producers at the time. They were proactive about that and wanting to root out certainly anybody talking about uh, um, anti-colonial politics, but anyone talking about any kind of, of socialist politics needed to be rooted out. And that goes, that really goes back to the 30s when Hollywood is trying to root out what it considers dangerous ideas, because that control of ideas matters. Hollywood, and of course, Hollywood is this, really this stand-in for the entire entertainment industry, which is to say the entire uh, propaganda industry or psychological warfare um, industry. The owners of these studios 
know that their interest lies with the state that protects their interest, that wants to keep that flow of of um, resources coming from the global south, coming from the colonized communities within the settler um, colony. We move up to the 1960s and the emergence of the Black Arts Movement um, and uh, a Black Arts Movement that very self-consciously sees itself as completing the work of the Harlem Renaissance. The development of a Black art for Black people along criteria um, set by Black people that would speak to Black people and speak to Black people about liberation. So you have individuals like uh, here in Los Angeles. Well, actually, speaking of Los Angeles, um, 1950 or 1951, you have uh, uh, Chief William Parker, right, who becomes the chief of the LAPD, and the LAPD creates its own spy network, one that can compete with the FBI. And um, historians seem to agree that uh, J. Edgar Hoover and William Parker did not like each other, did not get along, and indeed Parker thought his his um, his organization, his LAPD spy network. Uh, was much more efficient uh, than the FBI. Here in Los Angeles, we have artists like Horace Tapscott, right? Musician, composer, who, along with uh, other artists, uh, creates this, uh, this organization, the Underground Musicians um, Association. And actually, I think they, they changed the name um, to the Underground, I think, African Musicians Association or something like that, right? Um, at one point, and develops the Pan African People's the Pan African People's Orchestra. Horace Tapscott got a file, right? They're following him around. You know, they they are infiltrating, right? These types of organizations. I'm currently doing research on the Performing Arts Society of Los Angeles, a cultural formation here in Los Angeles, founded in I believe 1966. Again, with you know, trying to give voice to black people's issues, uh, to uh, and black people's issues in this country, making direct connection with the African struggle on the continent, in the Caribbean, wherever we are, they're constantly being harassed. Their um, their headquarters is constantly being broken into, equipment being broken, equipment being stolen. You know, the, the official story, it's it's local gang members, but it ain't local gang members, right? It, it's that local gang called the LAPD and those who work with them. They infiltrate the Mafundi Institute here in L.A., the Watch Writers Workshop, these kinds of Black arts institutions around the country, and they are destroying careers. And this has a chilling effect on artists. You know, folks who say they want to choose the arts, right, because they think that's a safer path. There is no safer path. They infiltrate and monitor every sort of institution that we create. So what you going to do, right? You got We got to do the work anyway. It isn't just an attack on the African liberation movement. It isn't just an attack on the Uhuru movement in this case. It's an attack on 
those in solidarity, right? So they also uh, raided uh, the homes of members of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement. So I just want to share with you, you know, the story of the white actress, Jean Seberg, who was um, in solidarity, right, with, with African Freedom Movement, very close with uh, members of the LA chapter of the Black Panther Party. Uh, very close with uh, Elaine Brown and Brother Masai, along with the LAPD, the FBI, they did everything they could to ruin that woman's career. And in fact, they did ruin her career. She and Elaine Brown were were uh, expecting at the same time. So they're creating rumors, right, that the father of her baby is is one of the Panthers. You know, th they so complicate her life that um, that her baby doesn't survive. And she does something similar to um, Emmett Till's mother. She has an open casket um, for her, her infant's uh, funeral to show that the baby is indeed white and that the father was not black, just to show the lie, right? And, and what they were willing to do. Her career was ruined, right? She leaves the United States, moves to France. The arts, is no refuge, right? In fact, the arts are need to be on the front line because we need to liberate our imagination so we can imagine freedom, that we can imagine um, a, a, an African world that is sovereign, united, etc. That was Youssef Doucet's presentation to the Black is Back Coalition's Black Power Conference held in Washington, D.C. on November 6, 2022. Comrade Yusuf is a member of the Los Angeles-based Joko Collective. You are listening to Black Power Talks, produced by WBPU, Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. Today, we are chronicling African artists who have been targeted by the FBI and other forms of U.S. counterinsurgency. We now turn to a list of African performers who are attacked by the U.S. government. The first is Paul Robeson, the world-renowned baritone artist, actor, pro football player and activist for black liberation and against military conscription. He also helped bring the We Charge Genocide Petition at the United Nations, which the colonial state blamed on Russian interference. Robeson was interrogated by the House Un-American Activities Committee, and the FBI has an extensive file on Robeson. Following a trip to Russia in 1961, Robeson was poisoned with hallucinogenics by U.S. agents. Robeson never fully recovered from this poisoning. In the first recording, Robeson sings, Scandalized My Name. When understood in the context of the U.S. government and Hollywood attacks on African and other progressive entertainers, the gospel spiritual gains much larger political meaning. In the second recording is Song of Freedom. Song of Freedom appeared in the film by the same name. The film was aired at Ghana's 1957 independence ceremonies. I met my brother the other day I gave him my right hand And just as soon as ever my back was turned He scandalized my name Now do you call that a brother? No, no You call that a brother? No, no Call that a brother? No, no Scandalize my name 
met my sister the other day I gave her my right hand And just as soon as ever my back was turned She to scandalize my name Now do you call that a sister? No, no You call that a sister? No, no Call that a sister? No, no My preacher the other day, I gave him my right hand, and just as soon as ever my back was turned, he to scandalize my name. Now do you call that religion? No, no. You call that religion? No, no. Call that religion? No, no. Robeson, Scandalize My Name, and Song of Freedom. Next, we turn to Mir McCabe. McCabe moved to the United States in 1960 following the Sharpeville Massacre in South Africa, where one of her uncles was killed. 
In the 1960s and 1970s, McCable was surveilled by the FBI and Central Intelligence Agency, CIA. This harassment caused her to leave the United States, moving to Sekou Therese, Guinea. Makiba was a supporter of Robert Sabukwe and met with Kwame Nkrumah. At one time, she had been married to Stokely Carmichael, Kwame Ture. The following song is Makeba's 1974 single, Malcolm X. The second song is Lumumba, an ode to the African martyr, Patrice Lumumba. Everybody seems to be preaching revolution.
Malcolm X and Lumumba by Miriam Makeba. Now we turn to Hugh Masekela. Like Makeba, Masekela came to the U.S. following the Sharpeville massacre. He was put on the FBI watch list for campaigning against apartheid alongside Harry Belafonte. The following song is Colonial Man by Hugh Masekela. Recorded in 1976, this song was an anti-colonial anthem in rebuke of the U.S. bicentennial in support of anti-colonial struggles around the African world.
That was Colonial Man by Hugh Masekela. You are listening to Black Power Talks, produced by WBPU Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. Today, we are chronicling African artists who have been targeted by the FBI and other forms of U.S. counterinsurgency. Now we turn to Elaine Brown, former leader in the Black Panther Party. In 1969 and again in 1973, she released two albums, Seize the Time and Elaine Brown. Her albums were produced by the African revolutionary music producer Horace Tapscott of Los Angeles, who was also targeted by U.S. counterinsurgency. The first song, Assassination, chronicles the killings of Panther leaders Bunchy Carter and John Huggins. The following song, Jonathan, is an ode to Jonathan Jackson, the slain brother of Comrade George Jackson. You know I heard the people say, what will you give in your way? I saw them turn, stop and listen to the people cry and say just a life is all I had out in a parade of centuries people cried out and said please please we want freedom liberation and just some help in this civilization and though I heard the people say what will you give in your way? I saw them turn, stop, and listen to the people cry and say just a life is all I had got. What did they do? What did they say to justify speaking this way? Hey, they just fought. And often cried, and then they turned around, were shot down, and died. Oh, but I heard the people say, What will you give in your way? I saw them turn, stop, and listen to the people cry and say, Just a life is all I had at Bunchy and John. Walked through this maze They touched a million lives In a thousand ways Three score and ten Never knew them Twenty-six and twenty-three is all there were Oh, can't you see? Didn't you hear? The people say What will you give In your way? I saw them turn Listen to the people cry and say just a life is all I got. Jonathan, but a man was he, he'd often go 
mother's eyes gleam, mother's cries, Jonathan, what he would do, none of us knew, Jonathan, for a man was he. Some brothers three, they had no key, Jonathan, saw them in jail, they had no bail, Jonathan, the USA will have to pay, Jonathan, for the man was he, for they would die lest he should try, Jonathan, oh by his deeds, give them the keys, Jonathan, for those who rule, they couldn't fool, Jonathan, Assassination in Jonathan by Lane Brown. Next, we have Nina Simone. Nina Simone was surveilled and harassed by the colonial state and slandered in the colonial media because she challenged the U.S. domestic colonial policies and colonial violence waged against Africans and civil rights workers. Her song, Young, Gifted, and Black, became what one professor describes as a Black Power anthem. As seen in her song, Baltimore, she uplifted African working class men and women. On a marble stair Trying to find the ocean Looking everywhere Lying on 
was Baltimore by Nina Simone. Last, but surely not least, we have the Queen of Soul herself, Aretha Franklin. The Queen of Soul took many courageous stances in support of the African Revolution of the 1960s. She supported Angela Davis for her defense of Jonathan Jackson and George Jackson. She supplied much-needed material support for many African revolutionaries. The Queen of Soul was tracked by the FBI for 40 years, from 1967 to 2007, monitoring her connections to the civil rights and Black Power movements, and attempting, in many instances, to sabotage her career. 
Here is Aretha Franklin's cover of Young, Gifted, and Black. was Aretha Franklin with Young, Gifted, and Black. As this program is produced in January of 2023, several leading members of the Hoor movement, including African People's Socialist Party, Chairman Omalia Shetela, are awaiting federal indictments, falsely accused, like so many others before them, of serving as pawns 
of the Russian government for their political work fighting for the rights of the Black community. For more information on today's FBI attacks on the right of the Black community to speak for ourselves and organize for our own interests, visit handsoffuhuru.org. That's handsoffuhuru.org. You have been listening to Black Power Talks, produced by WBPU, Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. Today, we chronicled African artists who have been targeted by the FBI and other forms of U.S. counterinsurgency. Our theme song, Get Up and Do Something, was written and performed by Elikia Ngoma. Thanks to the Black Power Talks production, research, and promotions team. Now, let's close out the show with I Wish I Knew How It Feels to Be Free by Nina Simone. Then I'd say